0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our Top Stories Voters in Kansas chose to keep the right to abortion in the state's constitution in the first major referendum on the issue since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Officials said that turnout was higher than expected. Meanwhile, America's Justice Department sued Idaho. Alleging that its near-total abortion ban, meant to come into effect on August 25th, will criminalize emergency medical care protected under federal law. Olaf Scholz, Germany's chancellor, said it could make sense to keep the country's three remaining nuclear power plants open amid concerns over energy supplies from Russia. The plants have been slated for closure by the end of the year. Mr. Schultz's comments came as he visited a turbine for the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Russia cited problems with the turbine as the cause of reduced gas supplies. The European Union disputes that argument. Britain's services sector posted its weakest performance since February 2021, according to the S&P Global CIPS UK Purchasing Managers Index for Services. The closely watched index dropped to 52.6 in July from 54.3 in June, suggesting an easing of growth. This reading was below initial estimates of 53.3. The larger-than-expected fall comes as the effects of inflation hit consumers and businesses. OPEC and its allies agreed a minuscule increase in oil production of 100,000 barrels a day, just 0.1% of global demand. The cartel's decision will disappoint America's president, Joe Biden, and France's president, Emmanuel Macron. Both leaders have in recent weeks met with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, to persuade the giant petrostate to pump more oil to lower global energy prices. Sri Lanka's president, Ranil Wickraman-Singha, said that the country will restart bailout talks with the IMF later this month. Mr. Wickraman came to power in July following the ousting of his predecessor, Gotabaya Rajapakska. The new president called for a cross-party unity government to be formed to tackle Sri Lanka's severe economic crisis and suggested that presidential powers should be curtailed. Nancy Pelosi left Taiwan having met its president, Tsai Ing-wen, and reaffirmed American solidarity with the self-governing island. Ms. Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, was the most senior American politician to visit in 25 years. China's government summoned the American ambassador in Beijing to register its anger at the trip, and suspended the import of several Taiwanese goods. It also promised to ramp up military drills around the island. The first shipment of grain to leave Ukraine since the war began reached Turkey. Under the agreement signed between Russia and Ukraine last month, the ship will be inspected for weapons and non-food goods in Turkey before continuing its journey to Lebanon. Germany's former chancellor, Gerard Schroeder, a friend of Russia's President Vladimir Putin, said that the deal may offer a path towards a possible ceasefire. And fact of the day. 62,000. The number of Cubans estimated to have died as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. A 600% increase over the official toll. And now, here's a deeper look at the day
1: ahead. Russia's faltering invasion Russia's invasion of Ukraine seems to be running out of steam. Richard Moore, the chief of MI6, Britain's overseas intelligence service, said as much last week, Russian attacks in Donetsk and Ukraine's east have been half-hearted. A belt of Ukrainian defenses, shielding the cities of Slavyansk and Krematorsk, is holding firm. Instead, much of the action is now in the south of the country, where Ukraine is ramping up counterattacks towards a city in Kherson. Artillery duels are intense, and Russia is conducting more airstrikes. Ukraine hopes to leverage its advantage in longer-range weapons. On Monday, it received four more American HIMARS and three similar European rocket launchers. Yet, pushing Russia out of Kherson province will be hard. Russia is reported to have moved ten of its scarce battalion-sized tactical groups to reinforce the area, virtually doubling its presence. As the war has shown, the defense tends to have the upper hand, whether it is Russian or Ukrainian. Lufthansa's unsteady takeoff Lufthansa demonstrated an impressive rebound for full-service airlines in Europe when it reported results for the second quarter on Thursday. Travelers are returning to the air with a vengeance after pandemic lockdowns. The airline posted a profit before interest and taxes of 393 million euros, $399 million, with revenues of 8.5 billion euros compared with a loss in the same period last year of 827 million euros. There are bright lights elsewhere, too. IAG, owner of British Airways, recently announced its first quarterly profit since the start of the pandemic, as did Air France KLM. Yet, amid the surge in demand for summer travel, staff shortages have caused travel chaos and forced airports to ask carriers to cut schedules. Soaring inflation has led to higher wage demands and threats to walk out. Lufthansa's ground staff have already gone on strike, and this week its pilots overwhelmingly voted for industrial action. Adding a looming recession and the resurgence in travel might yet be grounded. conservatives flood into Dallas for CPAC. On Thursday, thousands of people will head to Dallas, Texas for the Conservative Political Action Conference. Claiming to be the most influential gathering of conservatives in the world, CPAC offers the stage to the American and international right, including Viktor Orban, the populist prime minister of Hungary, who will speak on Thursday. There are two things to watch. First is the role of Donald Trump. In his speech, the former president may offer clues about whether he intends to run again in 2024. Most other speakers at CPAC are Trump loyalists. Then there are the policies. With Roe v. Wade overturned, many conservatives feel the wind is at their back to promote other goals, such as giving parents more rights over curricula. Conservatives may have suffered a setback in Kansas, yet that will only fire up the governors of Texas, Mississippi, and Oklahoma who will address the conference, as will pretty much everyone with dreams of rising on the right. Britain pulls the monetary lever The time has come for the Bank of England to decide whether to raise interest rates— As its Monetary Policy Committee meets on Thursday, investors expect an increase of 0.5 percentage points, which would be the biggest move in 27 years. An unusually aggressive raise could attempt to tame homegrown inflationary pressure. Although Britain's annual inflation rate of 9.4% in June was mostly the result of external shocks, principally global energy prices, domestic pressures such as wage growth played a role too. But the policymakers also fear kicking the economy when it is weakening, so could restrict themselves to a 0.25 percentage point rise. Such a move may also signal hope that domestic inflation could slow on its own. Britain's labor market is no longer tightening. Retailers are hesitating before passing on cost increases to customers. Energy prices could rise by an eye-popping 70% this autumn, draining wallets and dampening activity. The bank must walk a difficult tightrope. A Homecoming for the Elgin Marbles Greece and Britain have each laid claims to the Parthenon, or Elgin Marbles, for over 200 years. The Greeks say the sculptures were looted from the Parthenon, the ancient temple on the Acropolis in Athens. Britain says Greece's erstwhile Ottoman overlords approved the removal of the frieze. As other European museums have started returning colonial-era treasures, the British Museum has stood out in its refusal. Until now. This week, it proposed a Parthenon partnership to loan the sculptures to Greece. Greece has not yet responded to the suggestion, perhaps because it could imply a tacit acceptance of British ownership. But in January, it adopted a similar arrangement to display a Parthenon fragment from a Sicilian museum, a loan that paved the way for a permanent handover. A YouGov poll in November found that 59% of Britons favor the return of the marbles to Greece. Alternative solutions include dividing the sculptures or, more fancifully, using robots to carve replicas for Britain to keep. Whatever the final deal, a homecoming for the marbles looks closer than ever. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700BST on Friday to quiz espresso at economist.com we'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on saturday thursday which japanese camera film company was established in 1934 wednesday which member of the grimaldi family did grace kelly marry finally Here's the quote of the day from Louis Armstrong, who was born on this day in 1901. My ego only needs a good rhythm section. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio,